It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahedy. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. All of us here on the programme take this opportunity to wish you and yours a very happy and prosperous new year. A trade deal was agreed between the EU and the UK on Christmas Eve. We've been gauging the reaction over the past week. Minister of State Senator Pippa Hackett has announced support for an All-Ireland Pollinator Plan through the provision of funding for a farmland pollinator officer. We find out what that's all about. We conclude our look back at more of the Chagas Enterprises and how they performed in 2020. We hear from an expert about the perceptions of women in modern-day agriculture. Before Christmas, we looked at the business of real Christmas trees. We follow on with some of the other aspects of that industry. And Farm Talk's John O'Connor is looking at stories making the agri-news this week. Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue, welcomed the announcement of the trade deal between the EU and UK with the basis of a deal centred around zero tariffs and quota restrictions. It does, however, point to more challenging impacts arising for the fishing industry as a result of the agreement reached on fishing quotas. Taoiseach Micheál Martin and Ministers Charlie McConnellogue and Simon Coveney met with the fishing organisations last Monday to discuss the impact of the Brexit deal. The Taoiseach acknowledged the impact the outcome of the Brexit negotiations would have on the fishing industry in Ireland and the disappointment expressed by representative bodies. He said the government will fully engage with them and work with the fishing sector and coastal communities in the coming period. A comprehensive plan will be developed in consultation with representative bodies. Tonishta and Minister for Enterprise Leo Varadkar and the Minister for Agriculture Charlie McConnellogue announced a €100 million Euro scheme for the food processing sector in recognition of its unique exposure to the impact of Brexit. The scheme will be managed by Enterprise Ireland and will open for applications this month. Minister for Foreign Affairs Simon Coveney is updating Cabinet on the Brexit deal this week after the 1,246-page deal was examined by Irish officials after being signed on Christmas Eve. Ministers are being asked to approve the terms of the agreement as part of the EU-wide effort to ensure it comes into force provisionally at this time. Simon Coveney says Ireland's defended itself against the vulnerabilities that Brexit had forced upon us. He said there are still changes on how we do business from the 1st of January and Cabinet is discussing supports for the most affected sectors. The IFA President Tim Cullinan said the deal reached between the EU and the UK is a relief but will pose significant difficulties for the Irish agri sector. IFA has concerns over how non-tariff barriers will impact on the ability to keep trade flows moving. Green lanes have been implemented previously for food exports 
and these must be prioritised. Tim Cullinan said the Government Brexit Fund for Irish Farming must be ready to move, including the €400 million as set aside in two budgets to support farmers. And we must also ensure farmers are first in line for the €5 billion EU Brexit Fund. This was the reaction from the IFA president after the deal had been announced. The UK now can do deals with other countries, particularly with South American countries, where there is the possibility of importing substandard beef into into the UK, which in turn would depress the Irish market for beef as well. Obviously, we have concerns about that. And um, But as well, we have to look at, on the positive side, you know, what we're saying here is that there will be a continuation of the level playing field. The funds that was um, mentioned by the Minister last week, it is in the event of a market disturbance. So what I'm clearly saying is, if there's going to be a market disturbance, and the farmers is going to lose money on getting goods out of the country, well, then there's going to have to be compensation. Brexit has cost Irish farmers a lot of money to date. And if we can't get the rate access and it's going to affect the price paid to farmers, well, then there's going to have to be compensation. It is critical that we, have to get, that we can get our produce and our animals across that land bridge and onto the, the remaining countries of Europe. I suppose I think it's essential now that we have more ferries and we can get more traffic go- taking the direct route from Rosslare to France. I think that is going to be absolutely critical and something the government needs to look at immediately. FTA Ireland said news of a deal is welcome for the Irish logistics industry, but all involved in the freight distribution and logistics sector must continue to prepare for new trading requirements to support smooth trade flows. New administrative burdens will make transiting through the UK more onerous than Irish hauliers and any delays will cause serious congestions, as we've seen in recent weeks. The UK's post-Brexit trade deal with the European Union came into effect after it was signed into law in the early hours of Thursday morning in Britain. Boris Johnson said that a new beginning will be marked in the country's history, while the EU's Michel Barnier thanked negotiators for their commitment over the past four years. The importance of keeping dry cows and in-calf heifers clean is covered in a feature in this month's issue of Milk Matters magazine published by Dairy Gold. That's for January 2021. The importance of keeping dry cows and in-calf heifers clean is published under the auspices of Cellcheck Animal Health Ireland.ie and AHI Animal Health Ireland.ie notes. It's pointed out that a break from milking for a couple of weeks does not mean a break from mastitis. Many studies have pointed out that over 50% of mastitis cases occur in the first 100 days of lactation and they are because of infections acquired during the dry period. Many environmental mastitis pathogens thrive in conditions typical in cattle housing, whether that's high humidity, damp cubicles or bedding, temperatures between 5 and 15 degrees centigrade, and pooling water or slurry. It's important to prevent new infections, which is why good management and monitoring of cows and in-calf heifers during the dry period is essential. If we can make improvements to the dry cow environment to improve hygiene and ventilation and reduce moisture levels, we have a better chance of reducing the risk of infection overall. It's important that the pre-calving accommodation would be fit for purpose, that it would have enough space and provide a clean, dry and comfortable environment, and to give as much attention to the hygiene and cleanliness of this group of animals as is spent on the lactating animals. Keep young and pre-calving heifers separate from older cows. 
Improving the udder health at farm level will decrease the infection pressure of udder pathogens from older cows to heifers. Focusing on heifer mastitis. Heifer mastitis can be a significant problem for some herds and can threaten production and udder health in the first lactation and in subsequent lactations. Heifers that develop mastitis in the first 30 days after calving produce less milk and are likely to be less profitable over their entire lifetime. Given the substantial costs associated with rearing heifers, it's imperative that mastitis be prevented in the first lactation. Reviewing last spring's milk records can be useful. Heifer mastitis is commonly diagnosed after calving when the animal begins milking and either abnormal milk or an increased SEC is detected. Exposure of the teats to pathogens in the pre-calving environment can result in infection before calving. Now is a good time to review your milk records from last spring to see what the instance of heifer mastitis was on your farm. Investigations and specific controls are warranted if more than 15% of your heifers either had clinical mastitis at or around calving or had a first milk recording of 150,000 SECs cells when recorded 15 to 35 days in milk. If these records aren't available, it's something to focus on this spring especially if you're concerned about the level of mastitis in your heifers. It requires good records of clinical mastitis cases and the first milk recording carried out within 35 days of the start of lactation. Just some of the points covered in the cell check and AHI notes in this month's issue of Milk Matters, the Dairy Gold Clients magazine. That's for January 2021. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Minister of State at the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, with responsibility for land use and biodiversity, Senator Pippa Hackett, has announced support for the All-Ireland Pollinator Plan through the provision of funding for a farmland pollinator officer. Farm Talk's John O'Connor joins me to discuss this new position. Firstly, John, what do we know about this All-Ireland Pollinator Plan? Well, the first All-Ireland Pollinator Plan was published to build on grassroots support and provide a framework through which all sectors could come together to better protect pollinators like bees and other insects for future generations. The plan is one of the flagship projects of the National Biodiversity Data Centre and that coordinates implementation of the plan. And John, will farmers have to take part in this plan? Is it mandatory or voluntary? And is it left up to the farmer to make up his or her mind to participate? The plan is voluntary, but it has been endorsed by more than 100 governmental and non-governmental organisations right across the island of Ireland. The plan has seen continually increasing levels of interest and support since publication, and a new plan is being developed to cover the period 2021 to 2025 inclusive. And in relation to the new post announced by Minister Hackett, what will the role of the farmland pollinator be? The farmland pollinator officer will be based at the National Biodiversity Data Centre and will play a vital role in helping all of us, from local authorities to schools, gardeners, businesses, but particularly farmers, to work together to try and create an Ireland where pollinators like bees and other pollinator insects can not only survive but actually thrive. Pollinators, as everyone now seems to know, play a key role in a healthy ecosystem and taking action to protect and enhance them will benefit biodiversity and also provide a vehicle for direct engagement with the farming community.
And can listeners expect media adverts soon, inviting listeners with suitable experience or qualifications to apply for the position of farmland pollinator officer? Details of salary, employment conditions, etc. Well, Barry, Minister Hackett on Wednesday, December 30th, 2020, announced her support for the post through the provision of funding. No details of the actual amount of funding or application details just yet. Full details expected to be available early in 2021. Listeners wishing to keep up to date with developments regarding details of this post, the income, conditions and preferred qualifications or experience can check the following website. HTTPS colon forward slash www.pollinators.ie all lowercase And any idea of what the farmland pollinator officer's actual brief will be when he or she is selected? The officer when appointed will assist in the implementation of the farmland actions in the new pollinator plan. A specific work programme will be developed to support delivery of the actions and to safeguard pollinators on farmland. The key objective of the post being to make our Irish landscapes and farms more pollinator friendly. And again, more information on the website HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash dot pollinators dot ie or the Department of Agriculture phone number 01 607 2802 that's 01 607 2802 Incidentally listeners with an interest in progress being made with promoting biodiversity may like to know that the new Chagask Biodiversity Management Practice Index BMPI is showing farmers how well they score on biodiversity management practices. Miss Aoife Leader, Chagas Walsh Fellow Kelly, Chagas Branch, and Miss Catherine Keane at Chagas, Countryside Management Specialist, are featured in the December issue of the Chagas Client magazine, Today's Farm. So, John, farmers have an extremely important role in securing the future of our essential pollinators, such as bees and other beneficial insects. That certainly appears to be the case, Barry. And all the signs are that farmers are responding by reducing pesticides and herbicides where feasible, even before they are banned outright by the European Union. Thanks for that, John. Next on the programme, we revisit one of the many topics we discussed on Farm Talk in 2020 – Murray Tuhik spoke with Dr. Maura Farrell of the National Rural Network and NUIG about the perceptions of women in agriculture. Here's an excerpt from their chat. And from your findings, Maura, do you feel that, like, I suppose, male and female farmers, that they're treated the same, or is there very much a divide there? There's still quite a lot of a divide, to be honest, um, Murray, and I think this is where we were kind of coming at. And, and it's, as you look at the video, you lose the idea that we've got male and female farmers for, for to start off with here in Ireland. You've got a farmer, and I think that's what we want to portray. You've got farmers, irrespective of gender, who are hugely resilient strong people and these women who you'll see in the videos they're so committed to what they do and that's what comes across they're highly educated intelligent women who really know the agricultural industry and they really know farming you completely eliminate the idea of gender no more than if you went into a doctor or solicitor you go in for a job or you go in for some advice or something and when you look at these videos that's exactly what you see you see strong resilient innovative women who are just getting on with the job it's a difficult industry for women for the very reason that they have huge difficulty in gaining access to land Farming is about access to land. It's about having land to farm. And if you have difficulty in gaining access, then you have a problem to start with. 
At the moment here in Ireland, we've got about 88% of the farms that are, I suppose, are held by males, which leaves about 12% held by females. And again, a lot of these potentially could be farms that have been left to wives of um, male farmers that would have passed on. So you still don't have a huge amount of young female women involved in agriculture or who own or have access to land themselves. Do you think, Maura, that if we had a female agriculture minister, would that make a difference? It's hard to know would that in itself make a difference, but where it does make a difference is visibility. And I think visibility is a huge influencer for younger people. And if you see women and females involved in agriculture right across the sector, not just in farming, but involved in politics, involved in organisations, involved in strong organisations like the IFP, MACRA, any of these organisations that are fronting agriculture in Ireland, if you have women involved, even the likes of Chagas, if women are involved in these, and if young females see their involvement, then it becomes an area that is quite acceptable for females to become involved in. And it's kind of funny when you actually look at it from an educational sector, because at the moment you would have quite a strong educational element with women involved in education in and around agriculture. Two of the girls I think we have on it are still in further education in relation to agriculture, Deirdre Divley from Galway and Aoife Ford, either going through UCD or graduates of UCD. And again, you have a very high percentage of females involved in university. I think it's it's about 40% of the university degrees would be female involved in agriculture. And I think in veterinary education, it's something like 70% females involved in veterinary. So there's quite a lot of women being educated. We just need now to change the perspective, to change the thinking of people and become much more accepting of women who can do a very good job in agriculture. Dr Maura Farrell of the National Rural Network and NUI Galway speaking about the perceptions of women in agriculture to our reporter Murray Tuhig. Mr Dermot Kelleher from West Cork, the new leader at the helm of the Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, ICSA, is expected to campaign strongly to increase local membership and indeed national membership of his organisation during his term as ICSA president. Dermot is known for the quality of the pedigree Charolais bulls, which he breeds and sells, on approximately 80 acres of land which he owns with one of his two sons. He's convinced that break-even farming should not be acceptable in the longer term. Farmers' time must return a figure of about 13 or 14 euro per hour to be viable. Dermot has understood will campaign to have a ceiling of €60,000 put on cap payments to farmers. And those recipients of payments should be productive farmers, whose main income is from farming as opposed to being generated from off-farm sources. A passionate proponent of the beef sector, particularly sucklers, Dermot will exert his influence to highlight grass-fed Irish beef, which he contends is the best in the world. However, the new ICSA president is convinced that the PGI status being sought for Irish grass-fed beef and the operation of the PGI status brand should be squarely under the control of farmers, squarely in the hands of Irish farmers. 
The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell-Lug, has made regulations under the Animal Health and Welfare Act 2013 requiring flock keepers to confine all poultry and captive birds in their possession or under their control in a secure building to which wild birds or animals do not have access and to apply particular biosecurity measures. The regulations entitled Avian Influenza Precautionary Confinement of Birds Regulations 2020 provide for precautionary measures against avian influenza bird flu and came into force on 21st of December 2020. These measures were taken against the background where an outbreak of avian influenza H5N8 had been confirmed in a small turkey flock in County Wicklow and in wild birds in a number of areas across the country. These findings, the Minister pointed out, highlight the increasing risk to all poultry flocks and captive birds and, by extension, the Irish poultry industry. Outbreaks of highly pathogenic avian influenza have also been identified in flocks in Great Britain, poultry flocks in Great Britain and other European countries in recent weeks. The Minister pointed out it is important to note there is no evidence of any risk associated with consumption of poultry meat or poultry meat products. Members of the public are advised not to handle sick or dead wild birds and to report sick or dead wild birds to the regional veterinary office or to contact the department disease hotline on the following phone number 1850 200 456. That's 1850 200 456. An early warning system is in place with Birdwatch Ireland the National Parks and Wildlife Service, and also the National Association of Regional Game Councils with regard to surveillance for signs of disease in wild birds. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. Next on the programme, we're joined by the Regional Manager for Cork East with Tagusk, John Horgan. John is concluding our review of Tagusk Enterprises and how they fared in 2020, and he looks at prospects for 2021. I suppose the brighter picture really would be on the tillage side. Uh, 2020 was a very good financial year for tillage of Cork and we had good yields and I suppose better than expected prices. Uh, The difficulty really was the harvest weather there in the month of August. August was probably the wettest month of the year. But Cork wasn't hit by a drought like the east and the northeast so we had great growing conditions in May and June. And a dry April in the spring 2020 meant that most crops were sown in good conditions and then off to a great start. Harvesting of fodderbeet, I suppose, is ongoing. It's probably the last crop in the ground from, from 2020. And yields are reported at 30 to 35 tonne to date and are very good. 2021 for tillage is likely to be very similar to 2020. Winter crops were planted in good conditions and have established well. The forward grain prices are strong at the moment. And, OK, that may change as the season goes on. The protein payment will be available again for 2021. And forward protein prices are strong at the moment. There's no major changes expected in crop input prices and the tree crop rule will be in place for 2021 again. Tillage is still vulnerable but it isn't as exposed as as the beef or the dairy. Just on a a positive note again in relation to the cap, um, we heard today that the the, uh, agricultural budget and and rural development budget for, for European farmers is to be continued on to December of 2022. And part of that uh, will allow the rollover of, of schemes like the GLOSS and the BDGP. So at present, farmers are being asked about uh, if they want to continue in GLOSS and they're being given an opportunity to reply by text uh, to, the, to the rollover option in GLOSS. 
what rollover means for GLAS participants is that those in GLAS 1 and GLAS 2 have another year in which they can get a payment, uh, provided that they continue with the same measures that they did for the previous five years. If we were to look at the, the sheep sector, the sheep sector was very positive in 2020. We had very good uh, prices for, the, for, for lambs, and uh, we had a very good uh, trade right through the year. And even at the moment, their lamb trading at 5.60 cents a kilo is, is an exceptionally good price for in, in the month of December. So uh, we've had good lamb prices for the year to date. They're up 9% on, on the previous year. We've had good uh, grass growth and uh, fertilizer prices, feed prices, and that are, are, are uh, up a little on what they had been previously. So for 2021, we're expecting, again, to maintain very good uh, sheep prices. They should stay stable within the European market. Uh, our slaughter rates should be similar to the previous year, and our land prices could improve a little again on 2020. So the picture is very positive in relation to the sheep sector. So if I was to summarise briefly, uh, dairying will continue to be good, but be a little bit under pressure compared to 2020. Beef uh, needs support, as it does did in previous years. Um, the overall market has been quite strong recently, but that, again, has been due to, I suppose, a bit of stockpiling and that going on in the UK prior to the Brexit um, finalisation of negotiations. And uh, on the tillage side and on the sheep side, things are quite positive. So overall, it has been 2020 has been been a good year in farming, and uh, much better than anticipated earlier in the year. And certainly, agriculture so far has come through the COVID pandemic very respectively. But of course, John, we would need a crystal ball, I'd imagine, to predict yes. what's going to happen next year. Aside from yes. the COVID and all of that, what happens in terms of business? Absolutely, absolutely. But I think the trends, the trends will are, are there, and we we will. Look, we have a very stable uh, dairy system and we have systems set up now that are profitable. And while there may be a bit of, of a reduction in, in, in overall uh, profitability per cow or per hectare, on a farm basis, profitability will be still quite strong in the dairy sector. The, the sheep sector, again, uh, has performed exceptionally well over the last four to five years and is likely to continue. And the reason I think for the sheep sector performing so well is actually there are fewer farmers engaged in sheep production now than there was previously. So there is the the, the demand is is uh, I suppose that the supply rules of supply and demand are kicking in, and um, the the sheep are wanted. And in in relation to the to the tillage sector, um, we have some great tillage ground here in Cork East. Uh, we have we have farmers who are producing very well, and. You know, they're, they're using the most up-to-date technology and getting exceptionally good yields. And I think really the, the little factor this year was the poor weather in August. But if you can assume normal weather, which we all like to assume, well, with normal weather, I think the tillage sector again will have a good year in 2021. Tagusk Regional Manager for Cork East, John Horgan, concluding our review of the Tagusk Enterprises and how they fared in 2020. Turning to hygiene around calving... Miss Tricia Hayes, Dairy Gold, writing in the Dairy Gold Milk Matters magazine January 2021 issue, emphasises your heifer calves are the future of your milking herd and need to be given every opportunity to thrive. The first hour after calving, the golden hour, is the most critical period in the entire life of the calf. 
A newborn calf is born void of all immunity until it receives the protective antibodies from its mother's colostrum and is vulnerable to infection from the minute it enters the birth canal. Once the calf is born, it is still at immediate risk of picking up infections through the navel, mouth and nostrils from the calving environment. Tricia points out that hygiene around calving is vital and you must be aware of the ways which infection can enter the unprotected calf. For example, a hand wiping after birth from the calf's mouth, dirty bedding, through the navel or even suckling on a dirty flank. Turning to calving areas maintenance essentials, the checklist, Tricia emphasises listeners must make sure the calving areas are kept clean with plenty of straw. It's vital that you would prioritise cows which are going to calve if you are short on cubicle space. Cubicles should be regularly cleaned and topped up with lime. If not already done, you may consider clipping the cow's tails and try and keep cows as clean as possible around calving. If the newborn calf gets up to suck, it will go for the flank or tail area. If dirt gets into the calf before the colostrum, that's where infection occurs. In the early stages of life, calves are particularly at risk of infection from cryptosporidium and rotavirus. Even if you are vaccinated for the virus, if the calf ingests rotavirus before it gets colostrum containing the antibodies from the vaccine, it's already too late. Tricia comments, within the first hours of life, you should aim to minimise the contact time between the cow and the calf. This will help to minimise the potential transfer of disease. The calf should be placed in a clean, freshly bedded area where it can be fed good quality colostrum by bottle feeding or stomach tubing. Tricia says she thinks most people will know the story of colostrum at this stage, but you must feed a minimum of 3 litres from the first milking or 10% of body weight within two hours of birth. Colostrum, Trisha emphasises, will provide the calves with passive immunity, high energy and vital growth factors for the early stages of life. Countering or prevention of navel ill, Trisha points out that preventing navel ill is based on several farm hygiene and calf care immunity principles which must be optimised at or shortly after birth of your calf. In the first few weeks of life, the navel should be checked for excessive bleeding, pain abnormal swelling, odour or pus, and treat it promptly. When handling the navel, you should always be wearing clean, dry gloves, and a 10% iodine solution should be used. The cause of navel ill is infection spreading from the environment into the calf through the navel cord. A, quote, big-picture approach should be taken to navel ill. To prevent infection, you will need to take account of all factors which lead to high contamination of the environment and low immunity of the calf. Some of the points there raised by Ms. Tricia Hayes Derrygold in her article on hygiene around calving in issue 95 of Derrygold's January 2021 magazine, Milk Matters. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Department of Transport figures show that driving a tractor while holding a mobile phone was the most common cause of farmers being fined or having penalty points issued in 2020. In 2020, 197 farmers received three penalty points and a fine of €60 payable within 28 days. 25 Cork farmers were amongst the recipients of fines and penalty points in 2020, according to the Department of Transport figures. Over 250 tractor drivers in total right across the nation received penalty points and fines. Between 2015 and 2019, 698 farmers nationwide had penalty points added to their licences for driving a tractor with a mobile phone in their hand. Other offences included in the Department of Transport figures were driving with one or more tyres in a bald condition, non-display of N or L plates where applicable, 21 farmers were found to be driving with damaged or improperly maintained tyres. In a relatively small number of cases of detection of no insurance while driving, five penalty points and a court fine were imposed on two offenders. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks, John. Before Christmas, we had a seasonal topic on real Christmas trees, how they're cultivated and farmed at two locations in Cork. In a follow-on, we hear again from Fintan Weirden and First Pat Lehan about the process after the trees are lifted and the work starts again. They've been speaking with C103 senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran. The Christmas trees that are grown here, we are told by the experts that they're absorbing carbon dioxide out of the air and uh, they're used as a carbon sink, so there's a carbon store in the tree itself and there's also a carbon store in the, in, the, in the root system, which is every bit as big as the tree. And for every tree that we harvest this year now again, and the same as every year, uh, we will plant one and a half trees for every tree that we that, that, that we take out. So there's a constant storage, and I think that's, what, that's the way we should be going. And as well as that, if you came here during the summer, it's a, it's a completely different picture. The place is, is, is alive with wildlife. Uh, there's insects and birds and... Um, and, and, and there's a lot of wildflowers growing through here, so 
So I think that's that's all for the good. And uh, we are changing the system now that we are planting the trees. You can see the rows there now where the trees mm. are planted. We'll be planting them far, farther apart so that we'll have grass growing through the centre. So to be like uh, to be like treated as a, as a meadow, we'll be the, the the flowers and the grass will be allowed to grow until July, and then we'll we'll cut it in July, so it'll be more manageable after that, rather than spraying it. It's um, it's just a new system that we're trying. Okay. They're doing it in Austria and Germany and places like that, so we're trying it here. So it's um, I think to to be even better looking in the summer when you see the when when the, you'll be able to see the grass and the flowers growing between the trees. And you're. Also uh, growing this foliage here, eucalyptus, um, why did you decide to branch out right. <laughs> into growing this foliage? Yeah, well, there's a market for it. We, we, I was involved in a company uh, with some other people back in Kerry that we were, uh, we started exporting foliage to Holland. And um, so it was from the experience I had with that company that we found that there was a great demand for greenery in this country as well. Because when somebody buys a bunch of flowers, there's a percentage of that is going to be greenery. Probably 30% of that bouquet will be made up of greenery. Uh, heretofore, that was being imported, and it still is being imported. Uh, but uh, we can actually produce a better product here. It's, it's fresher. Uh, we can have longer stems. And um, now, unfortunately, it's difficult to have it the whole year round. But for we're working on that. So it's, uh, it's another area that we're... It's, we are supplying the, the flowers from uh, uh, the local market again. Is there and, a big uh, demand for this over Christmas? Over Christmas, Mother's Day, um, certain occasions, there's a very big demand for it. And uh, it seems to be growing. Mm. So we're, we're working on that. And um, it complements Christmas trees to a certain degree. But when it comes to Christmas time, it gets too busy. So, But uh, we, we're, we're, we're managing it anyway. And do you think that people are now bringing a lot more natural products like foliage, the real Christmas trees, holly, all of that sort of, you know, nature back into the home for Christmas? I I think people are getting fed up with plastic and Mm. that type of thing. You know, when the, I suppose, we're getting we're we're getting removed away from nature, and 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 uh, I think people are getting fed up with that, and they they want to get back to nature to a certain extent, and. By buying that type of product and buying Christmas trees, you're bringing nature back into the house. And um, even going out to, to a farm and walking around and getting getting stuck in and seeing the way that, that, that they grow, I think you get a feel of nature. And nat- there's nothing like nature to bring you back to earth, you know. And uh, I think to, to have children come out and they can... They, it's amazing. We, we kind of... Uh, we assume that uh, people understand about things growing but I, I can see kids coming out here and they don't they say what age is that tree they think it might only be a year old yeah, yeah. and uh, when they're explained that each whirl of that tree is is one year they, they're actually quite excited about it we're looking at really small trees here are they for sale or are they just in the infancy um, of growth yeah these are replanted so uh, every one tree that's caught another two is planted so i guess that that kind of goes that would answer the question, you know, how sustainable are Christmas trees and, you know, uh, you know how trees take in, um, you know, emissions and all that. So uh, it's not like you clear a whole acre and, you know, you're, you're removing all those trees. You're actually constantly replanting. So there's a, a constant rotation of trees. So, yeah, these small trees, you know, are replanted. There, there was bigger trees there the year before. Uh, you could probably see the kind of stumps there as well there. Covered up with a bit of grass now at this stage. 
Do you think that because a lot of people are more aware and conscious of the environment and climate change that Christmas trees will become more popular? Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose uh, going back to, you know, just the point kind of made about taking in the carbon emissions, it's uh, there are constantly, you know, it's not like you just clear a whole, a whole field because they're constantly replanting, so it's very sustainable good for wildlife as well um what we also do we try to use a lot of um more organic methods so we have uh what you call a straffordshire sheep they're a special type of sheep they originated kind of in in uh, north of scotland so what they do is they mow everything they mow all our grass mow all our weeds so it just means we have um it's a more organic way of keeping our farm clean. It's better for us, better for the environment, uh, better for the soil as well. And then you, you, you also have a, a better tree then as well. It was in the news about a Garda operation to protect Christmas tree farms from theft. Is it an issue here in Cork? No, no, it's an issue in, in, in Cork. Um, yeah, look, there might be in other areas in the country, you know, they have big operations and you have to, uh, you know, invest in a lot of CCTV and, you know, the, the Garda operations working with them too. But, not here in Cork. Um, like I, I, we, we, we all we're all a tight group as well. All the growers and uh, be honest, with you, even if you were to try and rob one tree from one of the farms around Cork, it would take you hours. You know why would you want even want to waste your time doing it? Um, so look, yeah, we're fortunate that uh, you know it's not an issue. But um, it, where, where you might have heard about it in other parts of the country, yeah, it was in the past, but not anymore. It's just everything's gotten so much smarter. You know, the hidden cameras. Um, in, in, in the plantations with sensors and all that where the you know the guardie can uh, monitor and all that as well so um, yeah it's, it's definitely much better now than it was before Christmas tree farmers there Fintan Reardon and before that Pat Lehan speaking to senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran The appointment of Mr Dermot Gavin as International Year of the Plant Health Advocate has been welcomed Minister Pippa Hackett has welcomed the appointment by the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organisation of Mr Dermot Gavin as an advocate for plant health. Noting the appointment, which has been made to coincide with the extension of the International Year of Plant Health to July 2021, to take into consideration the limitations placed on 2020 plans by COVID-19, Minister Hackett said she was really pleased that someone as high-profile and well-respected as Germud is going to help get the message across that we simply must give priority to plant health. Plant health, Minister Hackett said, is key to the sustainable production of food and to our ability to feed the world's growing population. Plants make up to 80% of the food we eat and provide 98% of the oxygen we breathe, so there is absolutely no room for complacency when it comes to making sure they are healthy. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week. I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.